Healthy Planet, a show for people who care about their health and the health of our planet on the ThinkTech live streaming network series. I'm your host, Dr. Grace O'Neill. Joining me today is Dr. Ramona Wong, retired nephrologist and creator of Aloha Kidney. Welcome, Dr. Wong. Thank you for being on the show. Tell us about how you got started with Aloha Kidney. Uh, This was back in 2005, though it wasn't called Aloha Kidney in those days. I just realized um, after practicing for quite a while that I wasn't the one taking care of people's kidneys, even though I thought I was. Um, I realized that people were taking care of their own kidneys unless they were in the hospital and I was controlling everything that went into them and everything and measured everything that came out. And um, so in the hospital, I did take care of people's kidneys, but once they were discharged or if they never were in the hospital, better yet, um, people care for themselves um, with every moment, every choice they make in every moment. And so that's when I realized, gosh, if they don't know how, um, how are we going to expect to improve outcomes or how can they do better if they don't understand how? So that's when I started to create um, a more in-depth sort of public health education series um, so that people who were interested in learning, um, regardless of what state of health they were in, whether they were healthy and wanted to stay healthy or whether they had some kind of risk factor for kidney disease or chronic disease, or if they had chronic kidney disease, or even if they were near the stage of kidney failure or had kidney failure already, I just wanted them to understand what they wanted to know um, to if they wanted to manage better. Um, and protect their kidneys and or if their kidneys weren't working how to help themselves balance their bodies which is what kidneys do so when so did you the classes I'm sorry. <laughs> so that's... when you started the classes were you teaching alone where were you teaching oh yeah when i started when i first created the classes i actually handed them to a, a nurse practitioner who was willing to, who was already into dialysis, um, nursing, and was willing to teach these classes. Actually, it was a nurse, an RN, who was studying to be a nurse practitioner. And she was fabulous. Um, But after um, I took over, I took the classes back again, um, I realized, ah, the outcomes are so different um, because in part, she didn't have the experience of taking care of people throughout their journey um, in health. And so there was kind of a bias to the experience that she had um, where people, more people who ended up with kidney failure after taking her, the classes, and she used my classes, my PowerPoints, everything. Um, The large majority of them ended up on hemodialysis and she was a hemodialysis nurse. So once I took them over, um, then there was a big difference in the outcomes and the choices that people made should they end up with kidney failure. Um, And when they looked at those who didn't have kidney failure yet, it showed in one of the studies um, 
that HMSA did for CMS Medicare Quality Improvement Project, they found that those who just attended classes slowed the loss of their kidney function by 50%. I mean, it slowed it dramatically, which surprised me. I didn't realize that it would be, and it was a small study. So I don't know if it's true or not, but in their senior advantage members, that's what happened. They showed it slowed it just by them knowing. And we looked at their own slope of how they were losing kidney function prior to classes and then the slope of their own labs again after they came to classes and that was the only intervention. So it, so it cemented in my um, wonder or my mind that people who understand how to take care of themselves take better care of themselves because nobody wants to suffer. Nobody wants chronic disease. Nobody wants kidney failure for sure. It's just that sometimes it's confusing in the world that we live in today. Yeah. So, Have you ever seen anybody um, to that effect reverse their kidney failure by changes, lifestyle changes? I have seen, uh, so if they're actually in kidney failure, they're on some life prolonging therapy like um, dialysis of some sort. I have never seen someone at that stage reverse their kidney failure by changing lifestyles. Um, probably because too much of it is scarred. There's not enough that can recover um, as far as I understand. I mean, from what I know, but um, I have seen people who have chronic kidney disease mm -hmm. who have regained kidney function um, by understanding. So I'm not sure exactly um, what, what happens, whether they're just stop doing the things that were hurting their kidneys or whether they, um, were better hydrated to allow their kidneys to function better, whether they stopped dropping their blood pressure too low, um, which were could eventually hurt their kidneys as well by taking blood pressure lowering medicines when they don't know whether they should take it or not that day. So I, I don't know the actual mechanism, but it does. I have seen kidney function improve um, mm -hmm. after making changes once they understand. So let's talk about for people who don't know much about the kidneys, um, we have a few slides. Can you go to the first slide, Eric? So what is this? <laughs> this is a picture that one of the people that came to the Aloha Kidney Classes series um, sent to me because I didn't have a picture of this. I would just, just talk about it. So this is a toilet. And uh, he took a picture of the toilet water after he peed. And there's a lot of bubbles, right? I mean, it's frothy. It's um, not just a little <laughs> bit of bubbles. It's a yeah, lot it's of bubbles lot. and they're building up on each other, right? Mm -hmm. So um, because I used to describe uh, protein excess in the urine, and that's one of the really important um, factors that determine how well you're not only how well your kidneys are doing, the ones that are filtering that's still working, but also it's an indicator of your cardiovascular health as wow. well. So if you have too much protein leaking into your urine, it may cause bubbles like you just saw. And to me, that's like something everybody should know. I wanted to put that on the bus that. stops, you know, if at the grocery <laughs> stores. 
I would tell people, talk about it at the party you go to next, you know, talk about it, talk it at the PTA or, you know, the soccer meet, whatever, so that people understand to look in the toilet after they make a deposit so they can get free information about their health. And this is like a big one. Um, So a lot of bubbles and I would describe it, you know, it's got to be like almost like soap suds and building up on each other. But people would come back to me like one of the dialysis technicians came back and said, oh, you know, you scared me. I saw bubbles in the toilet after I peed. And so I went to my doctor and I told him, you know, I might have protein in my urine. <laughs> this guy is six foot two. You know, he stands to pee. Everybody has some bubbles on the toilet water after they peed. And the higher you are, the more likely you're going to have some bubbles. So I said, I said a lot of bubbles. And that's when this guy sent me the picture of his pee. He's a high protein spiller. And so one picture is worth a thousand words, no matter how I describe it. You know, I was to be reassuring that a few bubbles is okay. This is the kind of bubbles that we're talking about for high protein spillers. This is what it'll look like. So what do you recommend? I mean, do you recommend that people decrease their protein intake? Because I know protein's a big thing now. Everybody's advertising. You need your, get your protein and everything. So do you tell patients that they should decrease their protein so they can, you know, induce less stress on their kidney? Actually, I don't say anything what anybody should do um, because everybody's different and everybody's at a different place with their health and kidney health and what they eat and what they don't eat. And so I, I don't give advice anymore. I, I, I could maybe give advice to a patient that's right in front of me as I'm looking at all their labs and I know them intimately, you know, from their medical history, but I don't actually have any advice and I would strongly recommend people be very careful um, before they take advice from the web or from anybody. Um, and sometimes even, you know, depending on um, the healthcare professional they're talking to, it it varies. Um, so there's no one size fits all. Um, if you have normal kidneys, then technically eating a lot of protein doesn't necessarily hurt them. Um, it depends in part, um, of what your tendencies, your risk factors are. And so I I tend to just, um, like in classes, I tend to explain what we know, what we think we know. Uh, again, you know, everything in medicine, in anything, in any situation is what we think we know at this point. And you've, you know, you've seen it, right? Sometimes we say, this is how it is. And then 10 years later, it changes to, oh no, this is how it is. And so we really didn't, or we may not know now, <laughs> we didn't know then. So it's hard to say what we really know, but um, if you do have protein spilling into your urine, so you it's evidence and it's measured, it's, you know that you're a protein spiller, then increasing the amount of protein in your diet may make that worse. So it is possible and often that in protein spillers, because the usual American protein intake is high, higher than the recommended daily allowance, um, we may end up restricting the amount of protein that they take in. However, on the other side, is there some people who are very malnourished and very concerned about the amount of protein that they eat and very concerned about everything that they eat, and yet they're malnourished. So if I were to restrict protein in that person, even as a protein spiller, it may be too low or already... um, um, too low for them nutritionally. Um, and if I restrict that, then that makes it worse. So 
it's so individualized. It's so nuanced that way. I usually recommend people see if they are concerned um, or if they have kidney disease, then it might be best for them to work one-on-one with a dietitian who's really interested in kidney disease. Uh, again, not every dietitian is created equal in their interests and their um, knowledge and of how to work with people and also how what is a particularly good for this person who protein, spills protein versus that person who doesn't spill protein. So I think it's important to work with a dietitian who's interested in kidney disease. Let's go to the um, second slide, Eric. So what is this? So this is um, <laughs> another kind of complex looking thing, but I guess the first one wasn't complex. I What I wanted to talk about for people that might tune in is how your kidneys speak to you um, because it's silent. It doesn't, it's not a, um, it's not going to hurt. Usually uh, kidneys are very silent, quiet workhorses. They're working 24 seven for your whole life, hopefully. Um, but they will give you indicators of when you're hurting them or when they've been hurt. Actually, these are indicators of when they're, they've been hurt. Um, they, you have to understand the things that you're doing or the signs and symptoms that indicate that you're hurting them before they're damaged. But once they're damaged, they will show you in a couple of ways. Number one is that protein spillage. Um, number two is uh, a faster than appropriate reduction in kidney function function. And so the way we estimate kidney function is with, uh, it's based on a blood test. It's based on your blood waste level. It's called creatinine. Um, and they use a formula that estimates, it's, it's an estimate. It's not accurate. It's, it estimates the percentage of remaining kidney function. And that's called your estimated GFR or glomerular filtration rate. So if you look on your lab slips, you'll see near the creatinine, the blood creatinine level, you'll see an estimated GFR. And that is not actually a percentage of kidney function that remains, but it's actually a rate of how well your kidneys are filtering. So it's actually, you know, milliliters per minute based on your body surface area. But it's close enough because we most of us start with 100 or higher than 100 um, rate of filtration. As you lose it, then it kind of approximates or estimates your percentage of kidney function remaining. So between the two of them, so if you could take a look at that slide again, we used to think the lower your GFR was, the worse off you were. But we realize now that yes, the lower your GFR is, so you can see on the vertical part, 90, 60 to 89, and going all the way down to less than 15. That's um, reflecting your GFR level and the stage of kidney disease that you're at based on your GFR level. But across the top, you'll see the amounts of protein that you spill in your urine. So the first column on the left is normal. The middle column is a small amount. And the third column towards the right is a large amount. So you find your GFR and you, so you find your row based on your lab test. And if your urine albumin, which is a type of protein, urine albumin creatinine ratio, that's the urine test that we get to figure out how much protein 
in excess of creatinine is in your urine because creatinine is supposed to be there. It's a waste product. Albumin is not supposed to be there in very large amounts because it's protein. Should be staying in your blood. So when we look at that urine albumin creatinine ratio result, you find your column. If it's less than 30 versus 30 to 300 versus greater than 300. So once you find your row and your column, you look at the color. The hotter the color, <laughs> the sooner, the sooner you're going to experience, we think, based on chronic, your chronic health, um, worsening kidney function um, and or cardiovascular event and or premature death. So it's really just based on two lab tests, the blood test and the urine test. We can tell the kidneys trying to tell you about yourself, not just about their damage. They're trying to tell you about your cardiovascular health. And to me, we're all on that heat map somewhere. We all want to be on the green, but the close, the hotter the color, the warmer the color, then the sooner those kinds of health events will come your way. And so, you know, understanding this, it may be scary to some people, but I think um, we all need to embrace, we're all going to die at some point. And to me, I think I rather get friendly with that, accept that and get to know it so that I can orchestrate my life appropriately. If I want to buy more time, okay, well then what choices am I making today in this moment that might buy me more time? And it really does, I think, bookend um, bodily life. You know, we're born and our bodily life ends at some point. So it bookends it so that we recognize the incredible gift that we have, having a body and how we're taking care of it, or are we? And if we think we are, maybe we don't realize we are not until you bring up that other bookend and realize, oh, okay, um, maybe I only have so much time. And yes, so I might be in the red. How do I buy more time? And that's, I think, the beauty of understanding. And that's where I, I think education can help. So with the GFR, isn't that also influenced by age? I'm not sure how they calculate that, but I know like the age is factored in. So do you feel like that age adjustment is accurate? Because I mean, there might be a really healthy 100-year-old and a not so healthy 20-year-old. I mean, I don't, I don't know how they're calculating the age in, but it's always like they put it with the age usually. Right. So exactly right. Um, there is age is one of the variables in that equation. So creatinine, blood creatinine, age, um, gender are the three variables. Um, so every year, the GFR, so the day before you have your birthday and the day after you have your birthday, the GFR after a certain age will change. Uh-huh. Nothing's changed with your kidney function, but the yeah. GFR, estimated GFR will change because your age is factored in there. Um, so there is a little blurb underneath your GFR estimate on your lab test that explains that after the age of 40, healthy aging may reduce kidney function. You may lose up to 1% of your estimated GFR, your GFR per year. So um, you should interpret your number based on that. So technically, um, just as a broad stroke, we have enough kidney function to last us. We're born, if we have normal kidneys, we're born with enough kidney function to last us 140 years. So none of us should be dying of kidney failure. No, no nobody should be. 
Yeah, because we should maintain full kidney function up to the age of 40. And then after that, we can lose up to 1%, up to 1%, not everybody does, up to 1% per year thereafter. So if you do the math, we should have some kidney function until the age of 140, unless we damage them sooner. And if we are damaging them sooner, there's a lot of things you can do to stop doing that or to change that. And that's what I think the understanding comes in. Sure. Um, so I also know that creatinine um, plays a role. And I'm wondering, because um, I see some young patients where I work and they um, were told they had an elevated creatinine, but then were told by their doctor it was due to their muscle mass. So can muscle mass elevate your creatinine? Um, would that be a concern or is that like a false alarm kind of situation? I think um, it's a valuable discussion to have whenever you have a trend of increasing creatinine. So even within the reference range, lab reference range of creatinine, I like to trend things for the um, as the best indicator of if um, you're losing kidney function. So I would trend your blood creatinine level. Um, blood creatinine is a, is a waste product. Creatinine is a waste product in your blood, which is made by muscle cells. So however many muscle cells you have, so if you're bulky, you know, you're buff, then you have more muscle mass and you're going to make more creatinine and dump it in the bloodstream to be carried to the kidney to be filtered out. So yes, if you have a lot of muscle mass, I had a attending when I was a fellow in nephrology, he walked around with a creatinine level of 1.3 and um, our labs went up to our reference range was 1.2, but he couldn't even put his arms down. His lats were so big, you know, he was just, a, <laughs> he was a power lifter, a bodybuilder. And so when he measured his kidney function, it was perfectly normal, but he just had so much creatinine waste being made because he had so much muscle mass that it elevated his blood creatinine level. That said, just because you're, you think you're buff, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't mean people's problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'm buff too. But just because you think you are muscular, it doesn't mean that a rise in creatinine is um not no problem for you. So what I would do is look back to your labs in the past, trend them. If okay, at this year I started bodybuilding and I see my muscle mass has been increasing and my creatinine level has trended upwards with as my body mass has increased, then it's possible. But if um, if you don't see that trend and you can't accurately, you know, um, link it to increase muscle mass, then I would ask um, your doctor to confirm a low GFR or an elevated creatinine, which would translate into a lower GFR, uh, estimated GFR. I would ask them to think about confirming that with a different type of GFR um, measurement called a cystatin C GFR. That measures cystatin, which is not dependent. It's another waste in the blood. Oh, yeah. It's not dependent on your muscle. So on the far ends of the muscle scale, so very frail, hardly any muscle. A lot of our elderly um, are like that, or, or some of our chronically ill, maybe like that, um, or the very buff, you know, muscular um, 
muscle mass type people. That's when, if the GFR doesn't make sense, if the trend um, is not tracked and you just want to confirm, is that GFR reasonably accurate, <laughs> that estimate reasonably accurate or totally off, then um, that's when that cystatin C GFR may be confirmatory or um, or eye-opening. Uh -huh. So let's go to the website, Eric, if you can. So we're just scrolling through the website here. I see you have a couple of people you're teaching with, a couple of nurses also. Yeah, this so the website information is a little dated as far as okay. the team that goes because of COVID. And uh, we used to teach classes in person at various sites throughout Oahu and on the web through Zoom to the neighbor islands. Um, but since since we've gone totally online from COVID, then um, my volunteer nurses um, are no longer you know, hosting the classes um, on the neighbor islands, et cetera. So it's just me. It's oh, me. No. That's great. And then let's go to the different classes. Can you go to that page, Eric? There's um, six classes all together. Mm -hmm. And when you enroll, you get the passcodes for the um, scheduled upcoming series. And now you can watch it whenever you want. So you, once you have the passcodes, you can watch it at your convenience, however long you want to watch it for or how, whatever you want to visit. Um, I like to suggest watching them in order because, um, honestly, the first class kind of gives you a broad overview and explains some of the terminology that's used as the foundation for the rest of the series. Um, and to be truthful, it kind of eases you into the deep dive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, coming to the options class for kidney failure, it's like, whoa. <laughs> you know, it's a lot of it's kind of heavy. Um, I do want to say before we, uh, you know, it's kind of really important. Uh, something I wanted to touch on the risks you were talking about for people with kidney failure, for cardiovascular disease and stroke and other problems. Can you talk a little bit more about that? So the most common um, causes of kidney failure are diabetes and hypertension. Um, and those are also cardiovascular risks. So um, those are probably the most common, but there are a lot of other risk factors that um, go all the way back. You know, if you walk those things back to um, metabolic syndrome, obesity, overweight, and even um, anybody who's had an episode of acute kidney injury or even people who have recurrent stones, there's some systemic diseases that put them at higher risk for um, kidney disease. Um, anything with inflammation tends to put you at higher risk for cardiovascular as well as kidney disease. So there's a lot of risk factors um, that, um, and so certain kinds of cancers as well. So a lot of them, um, again, becomes an individual thing. So there are some people with diabetes who don't have kidney disease. There's some people with high blood pressure who don't have kidney disease. But those are the two most common causes of kidney failure. And for those two diagnoses, it accounts for over 80% of those on dialysis or with transplantation. So it's not the only two risk factors. But again, if you want to learn more, there's plenty of information everywhere. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, this has been really informative. Um, we 
are out of time, but we'd love to have you back, but we have to wrap it up right now. So I'm Dr. Grace O'Neill. This is Healthy Planet on the Think Tech live streaming network series. We've been talking with Dr. Ramona Wong. Thanks to Eric, our broadcast engineer, and the rest of the crew at Think Tech for hosting our show. And thanks to you, our listeners, for listening. I'll see you in two weeks for more of Healthy Planet on Think Tech, the show for people who care about their health and the health of our planet. My special guest will be Dr. Encore Jane, and we will be talking about gut health. If you have ideas for the show or questions for my future show guests, please contact me at healthyplanetthinktech at gmail.com. Check out my website at graceinhawaii.com or Instagram at gracefullliving365 for more information on my projects, including future show guests. I'm Dr. Grace O'Neill. Aloha, everyone. Thank you so much for watching Think Tech Hawaii. If you like what we do, please like us and click the subscribe button on YouTube and the follow button on Vimeo. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, and donate to us at thinktechhawaii.com. Mahalo. Thank you.